With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Footballer's Super League Special. With news breaking overnight about the possible formation of a new Super League, including Europe's top clubs, we felt it was necessary to do a show for you guys as soon as possible to fill you in on what's happening. With my heavy workload this week, I was unfortunately not able to host this one. But big thanks to Metz for taking on hosting and editing duties this week. He will be joined by Steve Stokes and Matt Aguilera to give different viewpoints regarding the massive development we had overnight. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of the Football's Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, a.k.a. Metz, standing in for Hunter for one time only, because we've got a very special subject to talk about big news that's dropped in the last 24 hours perhaps one of the biggest talking points in football in many years yes we are of course talking about the european super league what that means for the wider football landscape in general and of course what it might mean for fifa ultimate team and in order to conduct this very special debate i had to find two members of the footballers podcasting team who have kind of different viewpoints on this and I think we found the right people for the debate. So first of all, I'd like to introduce Matt Aguilera. Say hello, Matt. Hello there. It's nice to be back. Excellent. We're very pleased to have you on board for this chat. And of course, the Foot Academy's own and founding member, Steve Stokes. Hello, Steve. Hello, Matt. And hello, Matt. Very much looking forward to hearing Matt um, defend the indefensible here. Ooh. fired already. Indefensible. Funny. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to come at this from the point of view whereby I'm going to be the moderator of this little chit-chat. We're going to pose some questions to Matt and Steve and get their unique takes on this news. And Steve, I'll start with yourself. You being a a Sunderland fan, a club that's very much a big part of its community, just let the listenership know what your approximate take is on this news, Where what position you sort of stand on it. Well, in terms of clubs the size of Sunderland. Sunderland perhaps aren't the best example because they're one of the bigger clubs in the lower leagues. But in a lot of senses, the plug has already been pulled on on those clubs. Um, They're already struggling. For a lot of clubs, I think it's already a matter of when the financial disaster hits uh, rather than if. Um, And they're just ticking time bombs. I think that the implications of this proposed Super League Basically, we're just going to end up with more clubs being drawn into a similar position. So what we would ordinarily consider as being quite big clubs, the likes of Everton, Newcastle United, Aston Villa, the TV money is is going to dry up. It's not going to come through to them the way that it is now. They are not going to be able to attract reasonable, reasonably decent players anymore. Um, much more likely that they will just have to fill their squads with loan players that come from the bigger clubs. And that really, I think, is my concern in the broader sense. I think that uh, a good model for what we can expect to happen is baseball in the States. I I think that this is a bit of an American-led coup. Uh, There are certainly a lot of American players involved with these clubs that are proposing to join the league. And what happened there when the major league was formed was that the clubs that were excluded from the Major League were just unable to compete. And the only way that they could continue to exist was by becoming farm clubs for the big clubs. So what would happen is that you'd end up with a scenario where, and this is you know probably an extreme example, but it's it's become less unimaginable today than it was a week ago. But you could easily have a situation where the only way that a club like Everton can exist is by Liverpool coming up to them and saying, hey, look, we'll fund you, we'll provide you financial support, but you've got to 
fill your club with our upcoming players that aren't currently getting first team football with us. And it's just, it's an absurdity and it is going to ruin football as we know it. And uh, I personally, I think that's beyond debate. Mm, okay, that was a very long way of saying you're against it then. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> yeah, okay. You raised an interesting point there that I want to get some clarification on from you before we move on to math. And you were talking about clubs being feeder clubs uh, for, for the very biggest to be elite for these Super League teams, potentially. Do you think that the fact that we seem to have so many more um, teams geographically in the UK compared to most other countries is actually part of the issue here, that it's an unsustainable model already because there's just not enough audience for all these clubs and perhaps some of them have actually been around longer than they perhaps should have been in terms of business sustainability. Well, no, I don't. I think that history proves that it's a perfectly sustainable model or that it was a perfectly sustainable model until the big clubs started to get greedy, really. I mean, the... Well, there are many ingredients in in causing this impending disaster, in my view. One of them, obviously, being the massive cash injection that came when Sky bought the rights to televising Premier League football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the breakaway of the Premier League. A lot of people don't realise that the Premier League and the Football Association, the FA, are completely different entities and that the Premier League was formed as a result of yeah. the big clubs basically wanting to get a bigger slice of the TV money. so Absolutely. We're going to I, come into more detail about the Premier League just a little bit later, so sorry to cut you off there. Okay. But yeah, all very, very fair points, and we will go into more detail about that in a little bit because that's a, an, an important uh, factor in history that uh, provides a comparison point to what's going on here. But Matt, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about where you're at based off the news that we've heard and the various opinions that have been banded about since uh, yesterday evening? Well, there's a lot of speculation about what the league is, but most people haven't even read what the league proposal is. And my take on it is, to put it as succinctly as I can, is that um, UEFA don't like it. The British government doesn't like it. Sky doesn't like it, and BT Sport don't like it either. And the reason why they don't is probably because they aren't at the negotiating table. Like the last time when the Premier League was broken away, Sky was right there to at the forefront to get the rights for it. And it's everybody's been smeared who is making this breakaway from UEFA. And that's because they are trying to be in control of their own destiny. And look after their own self-interest like they would do as any business would. So my central claim, which has nothing to do with the, like the, a lot of the speculation that's out there, is that just a club should be able to look after its own interests and not be stopped from doing them because they aren't playing nicely with a, a governing body that wants them to do a certain thing uh, their way. And this has been a negotiation that's been going on for 20 years or so, which is why the Champions League expanded so many times to stop this European Super League from happening. And I think most people are catastrophizing what a European Super, a European Super League brings to the table for them. Um, somehow clubs like in League One are, 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 are in the mix of being taught about um, and yet, we all we know up to yet is there's, there's twelve teams going to go into a into a European Super League that includes six English ones, and there's going to be a, a third of three announced at some point, apparently. Um, so my take on it is that no one knows the detail yet, no one even knows what the the, the full proposal is because they're all being told by Sky, UEFA, and even Boris Johnson's day that oh we've got to stop this from happening. Why have I got to stop it from happening? Do you even know what's happening? Because they aren't breaking away from the Premier League. They aren't like up, up, up in an outing. It's going to be a new midweek competition that competes with the Champions League. So I, 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 don't, I don't see the problem, problem as of yet. So, I mean, that's all I was trying to say. And I tried to say it quickly, which I, I failed to do so. It's just that um, they're, they're breaking away from the paymasters. And lo and behold, they're upset about it. And... I don't care whether the European Super League works, fails. I know the market will decide. 
and all the fans that say they won't follow it, uh, you know, that'll be left to be seen. Um, all I know is there's a load of Ferrari over it that's been directed quite well by the mainstream media to dealing with football. And I'm very suspicious of the reasons why they're, they're doing that. It's not for the, it's not because they've got such better morals and principles. Um, even though they keep smearing them about money, which is quite interesting coming from someone like Sky. Um, so mm. that's my basic premise. Nobody is okay. suggesting that clubs shouldn't take control of their own destiny. Yes, they It'd are. It would be absurd to suggest otherwise. Yes, they the are. The problem is when take, they take control of their own destiny at the expense of, of smaller clubs and they, they suffer as a result of it. That's the problem. Tell me, how, tell me how they are doing this at the expense of smaller clubs. Because their share of the TV money, which keeps them afloat, will just continue to get smaller and smaller and smaller. How do you know that? Because that's what happens with these models, Matt. That's that's the entire ethos behind this breakaway, the, the idea of the Super League. It's because these clubs want more TV revenue. They want to tap into as yet untapped markets, the okay. Far East, so, China, the States. Yeah, so, so I'm asking you again, so how does that affect smaller clubs then? Because they don't have a share of the same TV money. Because it's, it, it depends on how it's regulated, of course, to an extent. I mean, that is one of the worrying things. If this is a complete breakaway league where they regulate themselves, God knows where it could lead. So, But even, even if it can't be taken as a fact at the moment that they're going to get less TV money from this, the 12 clubs are not doing this for the good of the game. They're, they're doing it for the good of their own pockets. So what's wrong, and, with, what's wrong with that? And for the sake of their shareholders. It's not like this money is going to be funneled back into the game. It's not going to trickle down to the smaller clubs. It's, it's just going to end up in a situation where the elite become more elite and other clubs fall by the wayside and nobody gives a fuck. Okay, let me just stop you both right there very, very quickly. I think we've established that money is a primary factor in whatever decision that is being made and based off the information that I have read about what the European Super League intends to do is that they are going to provide some sort of package which is greater than what clubs are generally receiving now in the football pyramid in order to help sustain them in a greater way than is currently happening. We don't know the details of that yet but a lot of people are leaning towards the perspective that it's going to be worse for them, but we, which we don't know the details as of yet. So just something to be aware of there. But Steve, I'll, I'll start with you on, on the first question I want to ask. And we, we've established that, that money is obviously a primary motivation here. As far as you're concerned, is there anything other than money as to why this is happening? Are there any other benefits that you can see being introduced as a result of the implementation of uh, the ESL? I can see one tremendous benefit. And that's that each of these six clubs over the past, let's say, 30 years has been completely hollowed out. Um, they are bare resemblances of the clubs that they used to be. They wear the same kit and that's about it. Um, I don't think it would be a stretch to call them soulless. And so if these soulless zombie Clubs want to go and play in a soulless zombie competition watched by soulless zombie fans, then maybe the sooner they do it, the better for, for everybody else concerned. Mm. Matt, over to you. What do you think about that? Is there anything above money that you think is a, a no, benefit here or, or a motivating factor? No, I'd, I'd, and I don't, I don't care to speculate about what the clubs are thinking or whatever. As long as they're getting a bigger, bigger share of money and they're making more money, I... I don't see a problem with them making more money. I, I, I don't but see Matt, that. Matt, there's, there's a finite amount of money. I mean, obviously, we both accept that. If they're going to make more money, there's obviously going to be less money to go around the other clubs. No, I mean, I mean, like, that. the first mistake is to think that because, obviously, yes, there's a finite amount of money, but there's not a finite amount of money in football. The idea would be is that they'll they'll generate their own income from, let's just say, TV or digital rights. And they all get more of their own spread of what they create from from their own value of what. Of, sorry, so they'll they will get more value out of what they uh, what they create themselves. So why should anybody else be getting a piece of the pie when they aren't involved? It's their league, and it's their product. They get the money. So, um, so to to answer that very briefly, why it's because 
the money that they will be making will have been built on a legacy that was created by every football club that has ever participated in the football league. Yeah, but that's the that's reason- what made these clubs great in the first place. No, I mean, I don't believe that claim for a start. I mean, if 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 that's the case, then obviously we have to then anybody who wins the league has to compensate the other 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 teams for for getting there. Obviously, it's a competitive business, and some people lose out and other people gain. That's that's the way it is. There's winners and losers, effectively. I think I think we're really looking at a similar ethos to where I mean, it's a reflection of what's happening in society, really, where. High streets, there's there's less choice on the high street in town because there's a big Asda out of town supermarket that people can go and get everything that they why, need there. And why did they this, go to this Asda? This is the, one of the problems. We're going to lose diversity as a result of it. We're not going to lose diversity. This is creating Clubs competition. Will go to the wall. Um, no, um, we're creating more competition by having this competition. I don't, I don't see how that that follows then. And also, just to get into the point, why Asda wins over. The local markets. It's because people prefer to go there, and, more, there, and there is more choice. And so, they they prove that they want to go there more because they do so, and they spend the money there. They, um, that's that's. Um, I, I don't subject, see how that's an issue. Subject for another podcast. Asda can offer things much more cheaply because of their their financial practices. But yeah, financial the practices. Point stands. Yeah, yeah. So, um. I believe the first. I believe the question was something about if there's more than money in it. Um, I, I guess they will say there's something more than money in it. I think the, so. To answer the question more succinctly, other than it's about money, is it's a way of them being the first disruptors to get out of the the wings of of UEFA and maybe even FIFA in the end. I, I mean, I, I I just think they're just going to all co cohabit quite easily. And a lot of what's being said now is just all a negotiation tactic to try and uh, break their spirits so they'll um, be more willing to uh, pay up to the masters, such as UEFA. That's my take on it. Okay. Um, so, Matt, I'll just stick with you on this next point. And this is something that Steve touched upon right at the beginning. And I apologise to our non-UK-based listeners who perhaps don't fully know or understand the history of this, but... How is this any different to the Premier League separation from the Football League back in, in 1992? Is this not just more, more of the same thing? Well, if you can remember the Premier League breakaway, um, it was smeared for the same kind of thing. We were, all, we were all told that the Premier League was terrible, going to lead to all kinds of money being filtered out of the game. And we're all, going to, we're all told that the Premier League wasn't going to be the best product in the world. Um, it ruined the football league pyramid, and of course, it works within the football league pyramid. And in the end, the Premier League probably it might not be the best football consistently over twenty five years, but it's certainly up there and has been uh, for for many years. And I think that the similarities are again they wanted to break away from the EFL and get more control over the destiny and get more money, and well, it worked. Um, and the best the best clubs get the best cash so um, I guess the, the difference is that they didn't have Skyway in the wings to take the TV rights so perhaps they had a bit more support there it's it's hard to reflect on it now on 1992 when, when it broke away that wasn't the same as now where you've got like people making statements crying about the ESL it was just like one day it was like oh by the way we're going to have this Premier League most people didn't understand it and then lo and behold it was like oh okay and alive and kicking and all that kind of thing happened in Sky took off oh, yes. from there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, do you think fun. English football has improved as a whole through the introduction of the Premier League, like the quality I mean, I of football, you, I mean, that kind of thing? I don't. You, I mean, I don't even want to get into this really because it's like it's such a it's such an abstract question because we haven't got anything to compare it to. Um, well, no, it, it's a fair question because I, I would imagine that the ESL, one of their arguments that is non-monetary is that it's going to provide a higher standard of football than what is currently available because the best teams will play each other more often. Well, I mean... And I, I can only imagine that the introduction of the Premier League, more money, foreign investment, foreign players coming to the UK who never did before has obviously improved the, the English game. Yeah, again... Um- we're speculating what's what, in the mind. When, when we're talking about the English game, we're just talking about the Premier League here, aren't we? 
But it filters down. People would say that the Championship is one of the strongest leagues in Europe, whereas the old Division 2 would not have been as uh, competitive, let's say. It's benefited some clubs in the Championship and not others. It's, the same really applies in the Championship as the Premier League. The, the wealthy clubs are fine. The less wealthy, less well-supported clubs struggle. You know, we've, we've seen that with a lot of clubs in the, in the Football League having real financial difficulties. Berry went out of business. Okay, they were mismanaged in other areas, but it was certainly a factor. And I'd just like to say as well that I agree entirely with what Matt is saying. Um, it would be absurd to disagree that teams should be rewarded according to their performance. The best teams should earn the most money. And, you know, here's a revolutionary idea. Why not do that by giving them the biggest share of the prize pool from a tournament? TV money is what is really muddying the waters here. It always has done since the inception of, of the Premier League through Sky. TV money and greed, that's the problem. It's, it's, it's the way that the money is distributed. It's not fair. If, if a team wins a tournament and they know that they're going to get a certain amount of money from that prize pool and that prize pool is calculated fairly, no problem. That's the way that it always was. That's the way that fo- football has existed quite nicely, thank you very much, for over 100 years before Sky came along with their TV money and all of a sudden clubs started going to the wall. It never happened. Never happened before TV money was introduced into the picture. And if one good thing comes from this, hopefully it will finally draw people's attention to the bilious fat black heart that beats at the centre of all this and that is currently poisoning the entire pool with this oil money that's being injected on top of the TV revenue. That is the real crux of this problem. Okay, interesting point. Um, I guess moving on from that, I want to pose you a bit of a hypothetical at this point. Now, um, the Premier League and I think uh, Serie A and La Liga have also said similar, that if any of their clubs are to participate in ESL, they are threatening them with being um, removed from their domestic league, which sounds absolutely awful. Um, my question to you guys, or Steve, I'll start with you. Do you think the broadcasters and their current guys, given the amount of money that they funnel into the game through TV deals, etc., will those broadcasters buy into those big domestic leagues still without those big clubs? Or is that, again, another avenue for potential financial disaster if TV money exits the game because they don't have the clubs that people essentially are paying to see? I think it's a great point, and I think it just illustrates what a Pandora's box this is. You know, as soon as it's opened, all hell breaks loose. Everything gets thrown into question. And I I don't think it's maybe so much an issue of whether or not TV companies will invest money in it. I think it's a question of whether or not people will be interested in watching it. Um if, if you've got well, a game... They're, they're both one and the same. Well, they're, right? they're, people, they're connected, People don't yeah. pay their subscriptions and there's no TV money to put into the game, but absolutely. that would be the point. Yeah, that, that but it's... People it's, would be voting with their wallets, so to speak. The TV companies' interest will be driven by public engagement. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's by the by. But if, if you've got, I don't know, um, Newcastle against Burnley competing with Manchester City against Paris Saint-Germain... Very, very few people are going to be interested in the Newcastle-Burnley game. Very few. And again, this is this is back to my initial point that what's going to happen with this is when the public loses interest in, in these competitions, when TV companies stop investing money into these competitions, these clubs aren't going to be able to compete. The, the standard of football will decline because they won't be able to attract decent players. And that's where we start heading towards this model of them just being populated by loan players. They'll effectively be playing in meaningless competitions watched by very few people using players that they don't even own. That is where we're heading with the domestic leagues. So what do you think they'll basically be fielding loan players from these elite clubs because they can't afford their own players. Is that what you're suggesting? I, I think that we'll end up in a state where we have the elite clubs and feeder clubs. I, I think it will head in exactly the same way that Major League Baseball did, and I, I think it's completely realistic to expect that. 
Mm, okay. I think, I think we'll end up with a farm system. They call it a farm system because that is literally what it is. They they grow players for the bigger clubs, and that's how they survive. I see. Okay. Um, so Steve doing a bit of a Royal Antwerp there, but Matt, your thoughts on whether broadcasters will still be prepared to put up the kind of money they are now if, say, for instance, the Premier League decides to call these ESL clubs from the Premier League, and what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it makes it less remarkable. This is why everybody's so upset. This is why the Sky and BT Sport are getting, getting so annoyed about things and putting their roar into this to make it a more sticky situation so the fans have a more of a backlash towards it because they know it'll devalue their product. It's that simple. And they've already got contracts, so so they're going to have to put on like Everton versus Swansea as like a main game rather than Man United versus PSG or whatever. Or every, you get the point, I'm sure. So, yeah, it devalues it. Um, uh, and again, I mean, a lot of this, what goes on, um, I mean, there's a lot of speculation in terms of like people thinking, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go this way, that way. I, I'm just not bothered about whether it fails or not, or whether clubs get, some clubs get less money from television because of it, because this is the way the market's going to go. And if, and if it doesn't get supported by the market, then that's okay. And if it does, that's also okay. Um, but I imagine logic, logically, I would assume that if a, you know, a product can't get devalued and then be as, as marketable to a, to a TV company, surely, surely got to be worth less money. The price action would be go would go down on that. I think. Can I just ask? Yeah. Can I ask Matt a question as a Stoke City fan? Yes. How would you feel if we arrived at a situation where Stoke City existed, primary? Well, not just primarily, fundamentally, as a feeder club for say Manchester City, that that all of their players were owned by Manchester City and they just played under the name of Stoke City in the Stoke City Strip in the Britannia State. I'm asking you to imagine a situation where that happens. Would, would, would you then still be saying that, no, it's, it's fine that the big clubs get richer and, you know... Yeah, but I do. I mean, if Stoke, if Stoke went bankrupt tomorrow, I'd be okay with it. So we can imagine this situation that's, that is very charitable to your interpretation of how the future will be. Um, but, I mean, but to go to a more further extreme, like... If Stoke went bust tomorrow, there must be a reason why it happened, and I'm okay with it. I was okay when Barry went bust. Totally okay with it, because uh, nobody came in and bought them. wonder why that was. The market didn't value them. That's so sad that it just comes down to market value. Wow. But it does, though, because it's okay. a business. That, the, 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 it's been a business since 1888 or wherever the league started. Mm. Yeah, I could just touch upon your comparison or asking the question about Stoke City there. And this will apply for countless cities and towns across the country. I have more than one football team. People generally have a choice to either back Stoke City or Port Vale, or if you're a bit on the fringes, Crew Alexandra, or just a bigger club of your choice generally. And the local fan base predominantly lean towards Stoke City because that's their choice to do so. There's no other financial reason or incentive to make one decision over the other, the market, for lack of a better word, has chosen Stoke City as the dominant local club. And that's kind of what we're getting at here, that eventually more and more of these clubs will probably be whittled down because people are choosing to support elsewhere, regardless of the injection of money into the game. They just lean towards bigger, more successful clubs. For whatever reason. Yeah, just I think we need to define the word support here as well because a lot of people will say that they support a club and what they actually mean by that is that if they're talking to the mates in pub in the pub about football, they they will take a slightly partisan view that, that favours one club, you know, they'll they'll favour, I don't know, Man sure. City over others. Very few people who claim to be supporters actually support the club. Is a bit of bit of gatekeeping about the word support. Like you've got to be an active supporter who who goes a game to be a supporter. Is it is it that thing? No, no, I'm not saying that at all. It's it's, it's more to to a broader point, I suppose. That I mean, the the reaction from fans in general mm -hmm. has been quite uproarious, and yeah, it's been it's, very emotive. Yeah, without doubt, and it's I, I understand it completely. But the problem is that the it's it's a little bit late. Um, the horse has kind of already bolted. This this all started happening a long time ago. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of talk of fans, supporters, whatever we want to call them. There's a lot of talk of them saying, I'm going to boycott my club, you know, if um, if Manchester United go into this Super League, I'm going to stop supporting them. What I would say to them, happen, and, well, well I just, it probably. I, mean, would, I, I don't believe but, them anyway. But it's 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 not enough. It's uh, it, a lack of action. Is is you know it's it's not going to solve anything. What I would encourage people to do is, if they're Manchester United supporters and they feel that way, instead of just not supporting Manchester United, not perhaps going to watch Manchester United, go and watch Salford City. If you're a Manchester United fan that lives in Gillingham. Go and watch Gillingham. You know, do something active, do something positive and actually make a difference to there's, help the smaller clubs. There's kind of been a precedence there that Man United fans have had their chance when the Glazers came in and they created FC United of Manchester and yeah, it got a little bit of a rabble rousing, but generally most people have stuck with United because they want to support the historical entity that is Manchester United, not the team that necessarily turns up on a Saturday. Well, that's one example, but the the opposite happened with uh, MK Dons and AFC Wimbledon, didn't it? A lot of people deserted MK Dons and, and threw their support behind AFC Wimbledon. So that's a model that very much proves that it can work. I think it can. Yes. So, yeah, MK, MK Dons is a perfect example of... But Wimbledon had a, had a perfect storm in terms of they didn't have their own ground at the time they, and then they were going to be able to build the Keens their own ground, so they weren't even in the same place, whereas... These clubs are going to stay in the same place, stay in the same league, um, stay in the same stadium, but just compete um, in a European Super League and in a midweek. So, um, I um, oh god, what point was I going to make now? Um, so, and also, I don't think clubs are that worried about fans not turning up because there's, they haven't had time fans turning up for like over a year now. So I don't agree. So that's not a threat to them, and. I mean, if I like, just just for the sake of argument, arrogant enough to think that was the Man United CEO um, catering to Chinese fans in South Korea and in India and all the, all these big markets and getting their TV money, that makes me way more money than anybody turning up on a match day. So, really I, I, important I, point. I think really I, important I, point you've made there, Matt. That these clubs do not care about their supporters, and if, if you know well, anybody who thinks that they do is wrong. Yeah, I, I, I do think that though. I mean, I think the, I think the, um, they care about the supporters about as much as they do an Indian support. I think they care about them in the same way. I, do, I think the, the, there's a lot said like, you know, it's your club and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, the, the club yeah. is the, the board is the club, like effectively, because they're the ones who make the decisions and stuff like that. So I've always been a bit thingy with, I mean, being a Stoke fan and having the Coates family owning Bet365 and all this and, that being put into Stoke. I mean, I've always been a bit suspicious of people saying, like, oh, it's your club and all this kind of stuff. I mean, Stoke fans haven't been going there for all this time. And if all of a sudden they get a swathe of support in China and bloody Norway, like they, they did in the, in the, uh, when 2008, when they went up to the Premier League, I mean, that's to their benefit. But I think they care about me as much as they do about an, as an Indian fan, if that makes any sense. I mean, a person who lives in India just for the sake of clarity. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So are we basically saying that? The priorities have shifted because the majority of fans aren't necessarily the ones who are in the same town as the club or turn up on a match day. There's this global fan base now. And if we annoy the local fans, that's just a tiny subset of the overall bigger picture who perhaps stand to benefit from seeing Man United v Liverpool every week sort of thing. The amount of revenue that's generated from match day attendance is absolutely minuscule compared to what's generated from, from TV rights. They, they don't give a monkeys. And I think really we've approached a situation now where the European market has been captured. They've pretty much snared that. And they're now looking to line their pockets by, as I said earlier, tapping into these fresh markets, China, Singapore, Malaysia, the States, Brazil. You know, these are the, the emerging economies that, that they're really trying to, to pander to. And um, I... <laughs> I kind of I feel a bit uneasy when when Matt talks about them competing as well because my understanding of it is it is is that it's not really much of a competition. There's it's just going to be a a closed club. You know, all the seats at the table are taken. There's no entry if you're not on the list. You're not getting in. You can't compete and get a seat at this table. Um, 
it's it's competition. Obviously, there'll be a winner. But this um, is a great segue not, into yeah. what I wanted to actually ask you next, guys. And this is the sort of competitive element of this: the, the closed entry system, and what that potentially means for the prestige of a competition that is trying to be the elite one in Europe. And I wanted to pose a scenario to you, Matt. I'll let you come in on this one first, if you if you would like. Sure. But um, if we look at the clubs who are on the invitation list and have signed up as of today, there's sort of 12 big European clubs, six from, from the UK, England specifically. I would say, outside looking in, that Milan are probably the weakest of the 12 that are on paper currently. Yeah, and well. way behind a lot of the other clubs that are on that list. So if this is a, a closed entry system and apparently relegation isn't possible, but a club like Milan is consistently the worst team in that league, then does that then have a negative effect on the CSL's branding in terms of being this elite competition where everyone's as close to even as reasonably possible, but there's a club or maybe more than one who are the perennial whipping boys of the league and will they get to stay in forever? Well, the thing is, I mean, there's always going to be a worse team, isn't there? That's going to happen every year and there's going to be, and it could, it could flip flop. It could even be Man United being the worst team in that, in that, in the league. But to take your premise of Milan being the worst team, like say three seasons on the trot, at some point, the, even the domestic performance is going to affect their marketability within that league. So um, I don't see how a club performing poorly consistently will, will, will stay in. Um, they'll. I mean, we don't know if there's going to be a relegation system or not yet within it. I so it's speculation. Let's. I think that's fair to say. But I think our understanding of it is there's there's at the moment twelve teams with the potential of three more permanent teams coming in, and then there's going to be some slots for for invitees on a yearly basis. That's my understanding. Yeah. Right, and so. Are they effectively setting up three clubs to be the relegation candidates every year to make the other teams look good? I'm, I'm struggling yeah, to wrap my head around that. And I think the other thing is that if, um, you know, let's just say would, for whatever reason, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer stays in charge of Man United for the next six years and, you know, they don't, they don't finish above eight for whatever reason, you know, that's surely going to threaten their status within the ESL as well. I don't, it's got all, all going to be intertwined still. I don't, because, um, if we have this situation where, okay, you can stay in the ESL as long as you like, and you can finish last every every year, but you need to make some kind of um, contribution to be in the league, um, it's probably going to be financial. So you're going to need the teams to perform the best. So I think that it'll 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 regulate and manage itself in that way. Um, so I mean, we're doing also so much of this in the dark. It's just again, it's hard to hard to speculate really. But it's just trying to be. A tiny bit logical and thinking about how it how it could happen. I think sure. on this point, all we have to really do to to find a precedent for what happens in this kind of situation is once again just look across the Atlantic, because we've had this kind of model operating there for quite some time now. There are a finite amount of teams in Major League Baseball, in the National Football League, in the National Hockey League, so on and so forth. There's no promotion and no relegation. And situations did arise where there was a lack of competition. And the way that all of those leagues sought to address that problem was by introducing parity. And the measures that they took were, I mean, obviously, there's a draft system in American mm. sports. So what would happen is that the team that finished, and this still happens to this day, don't mean to patronise our American listeners who are obviously well aware of this, but for the, for the English listeners who maybe aren't quite so familiar, the team that finishes with the worst record gets the pick of the crop of players that are coming into the league that season with the idea that if you're a bad team, you'll get to build a good team basically by sucking at the sport. Um, as a New York Jets fan, I can tell you that it doesn't work and that we haven't won a championship in, what, what are we on now, Fif 51 years? Um, but that, again, you know, that is... That's the precedent that's been set, where leagues have have employed these kinds of, of structures, and that is quite feasibly where we'd be heading with the introduction of this super league. We wouldn't have a draft system, though. That I mean, that's the only thing we probably wouldn't, wouldn't get adopted. Look, if, 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 if how was... on earth this is going to affect youth development, Matt? That that is that is a subject for 
several other podcasts because the legal implications of all this are, are tremendous. That's a massive can of worms. And it could it could well end up that players could have to be drafted. It's it's not unimaginable. Mm. Well, let's step aside away from drafting because that's not on the cards right now. Whether that happens in futures, unforeseeable at this point. Um, but do you think that the sort of insatiable desire of players for higher and higher wages year on year feeds into the whole need for them to desperately scramble for further revenues by going into these seemingly desperate ploys of, of effectively going head-to-head with UEFA of all things. I mean, the Champions League is where everyone wants to play, yet they're prepared to take that head-on. Does the wages of these players effectively mean that this is the only way forward that these businesses can sustain themselves and and ensure that they don't lose these revenue streams going forward once they're there by having this this one-way system with with no relegation and whatnot? I think it's a pretty weak claim to be honest i think that like i mean this is why i mean if you're going to look at like revenue streams that's why the game of things like tottenham hotspur having an official paint sponsor and all that kind of thing and i, I completely defend it you know everybody's getting into a contract that's you know they, they they're willing to get into a contract with them and they they think there's value in it and they pay them so it it i think you should just gloss over that man no <laughs> so yeah um i think that you know um I, I I want businesses to go out and make as much money as possible as, as they see fit with what they what they have to offer and the only way they can work out where the, where how far they can take it is by trying and and I think that at least that I, I think the principle of them taking on UEFA is a good thing because we we want them to be disruptive and, and figure out if there's a better way of doing things and you know the I, I'm I, I the, the ESL could be a complete failure. It could be the, could be terrible, or it could be fantastic, and we never look back. But it's prob- I'd, I'd, I'd say it was better they try and be disruptive and go against UEFA than than not do so just because you know, um, some people will be upset somewhere. There's a, there's a big change coming in, um, and we have a choice whether to be excited about it. I think. Well, I think in terms of the kind of financial model. It's obviously it's a model that's been built by some very smart people. You know, the, the, these people are far from fools. And in the short term, it's, it's probably a very smart business model. You know, that's that's the case with with all of these sort of um, I don't, I don't know what to call them capitalist boardroom decisions, I suppose. And these decisions are always almost pretty much without exception, based on the value of short-term profits over long-term responsibility. That's the way that the corporate world works. And this is this is what's going to happen here. In the short term, these clubs are going to benefit immensely from it. But in the long term, this is just going to be a case of football eating itself. And it's mm. finally, I think, that the problem with the world in general, has caught up with football. And, and that's what we're facing. Do you think that it's the fans more so than the, the owning entities have a right to determine the destiny of their clubs when it comes to something like the competitions they play in? 100% the owners. The fans just have, they are they are spectators and observers of what goes on. Um, their opinion should be taken seriously and their money should be taken with a smile. Um, but yeah, it's down to the, to the because um, they are a business where it, there's a there's a, a romantic idea that they aren't a business somehow because it's sport when it, they've always been a business um, and they've always wanted to make money and they pay their players and you know we, we all know there's a football economy that's almost unique the way that players are bought and sold and the market is one of the interesting parts where you could you can read about it all day long um, so. Fans have to be comfortable with the fact that they, they are pastors and that they basically are right to vote with their feet and they should enact on that whichever way they see fit. So if they do want to boycott these clubs, then I support the decision to do so because um, uh, I'm good like that. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I support their decision. I support their right, obviously, to, 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 to get away from it. And also capitalism is freedom. Now, that's, that's my last thing I'd like to say. All right. 
see what do you think? Fans have a right to determine the destiny of their clubs. I think the problem we've got here is that I, 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 th- I think that Matt has kind of alluded to it there that what we've got now is a product and not a sport. And when we're talking in terms of a product, obviously the producer should have the say in in what happens with this product. So from that point of view, you could argue that the people that are pumping these billions into the clubs should have a right to say where it goes. But in terms of, I mean, this is the real rub of things, I guess, in a lot of ways. Are we talking about a sport or are we talking about a business? Because from a sporting perspective, this is... <laughs> Football was intended to be a game. It was, it came, it was developed by the working classes, played by the working classes to entertain the working classes. And the suggestion that Matt's making that it's always been a business to generate money just, just isn't 100% accurate. It's 100% accurate. 100%. Originally, obviously there are costs and clubs had to meet these costs. But originally, that's how these business businesses, yeah, fair enough, operated. But they weren't they weren't there to make billions and billions of pounds of profit for their shareholders. There were no fucking shareholders. It, it just didn't happen. So, okay. from the perspective of, of of it being a business, yes, the business owners have a right to decide what happens with the club. It's it's really an irrelevant question because it's it's, it's, it's fans just aren't important anymore. They just don't matter. Well, it's relevant from the perspective that just about every fan, at least European-based, that I've encountered opinion of online so far have all unanimously slammed this. So they think that their view of how the footballing industry or their club at heart is being played around with is extremely painful to them. So that this is why the question becomes relevant, you see, is that they perhaps feel that they have an emotional involvement with their club that's not being taken into consideration, whereas the reality is X entity owns it, X entity gets to decide what happens to it. Uh, no doubt, but- and I sympathise with them 100%. I, I love the sport of football, have done my entire life, and I've fallen more and more out of love with it by degree as money's taken over. But when I say that it's irrelevant, what I really mean is that I think that fans are now finally waking up to the fact that they are irrelevant. They just don't matter. They've been swallowed up by this giant money-making machine, and this is just the latest coup d'etat on that front. Are all fans equal? Like, So how about the fans in, in, in India who watch at home? Are they, are they equal to the ones who watch in Manchester in the stadium? Equal in what sense? Well, you've just said that fans don't matter, so I'm just trying to figure out which fans don't matter. Fans don't matter whether they're Indian, English, Aboriginal. They don't matter. I keep keep saying Indian. You get the point of making a far-flung country where they don't have a connection with Manchester, for example, with Manchester United. uh, Clubs couldn't give a monkey's about whether they support them, whether they wear, well, probably whether they wear a scarf or not because they'd earn money from it. All they care about is the bottom line, and the bottom line is the bottom line. It's money. If they're if they're shelling out cash, they care about them. If they're not shelling out cash, they probably care about them because they want them to shell out cash. It's all about yeah, money. Want, that's all it is. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, they're a business. They want customers. I mean, that's and obviously they need attention and from people that are gonna mm. gonna pay out eventually at some point. So, I think that it's a it's just just a very romanticized view that like football's gone global. Um. It, it is a sport and that's a product and it's always been sold. I don't uh, think it's romanticised. I think that we live in a very cynical world these days. I don't think there's anything romantic about a, a working class game played by working class people to entertain working class um, people. I don't I think mean, that's it's very, romantic. It's very, cla- it's very classist though because obviously if, obviously if you're, if you're middle class then you, you, know, you can't be a footballer or you shouldn't be liking football. It's got, you've got to be a salt of the earth kind of guy who works down the pit. Yeah, come, go and come. play fucking rugby. <laughs> <laughs> fucking wanker. <laughs> All right, boys. I, I think we, we, we sort of reached that was the head there. And, of, of course. So one last thing I want to ask you both before we get on to questions from Discord. 
Um, given that we are a, a FIFA Ultimate Team podcast after all, we've asked the question that's most relevant to the people who play this game. And the question is, if the domestic leagues decide to kick out these ESL participating clubs, then what, in your opinion, is going to happen to FIFA Ultimate Team? Matt, over to you. I can't see why they wouldn't be. They'll, they'll still have they'll still have Harry Kane and Christian Pulisic, won't they, and all that kind of stuff. So um, they'll want them to be in there. They'll still have supporters. So that, and they'll still be the biggest teams in the world. So they'll want that attention. Um, they won't be taken out of FIFA Ultimate Team. Never, I, I don't, I don't see how that would make good, good sense. So you don't see any consequences for Ultimate Team whatsoever of this. Well, they, It'll just be the same. I mean, they, I mean, I mean uh, you might have a ESL league instead of a Premier League designation on some of these players or something. I don't know. Like, I don't see that. Being, I don't see how it's going to be much of a problem. I think that the potential problem is that if FIFA don't want these clubs or their players involved in their competitions, it's pretty unlikely that they're going to want them involved in their video game. So if they follow through on this threat to exclude players whose clubs participate in the Super League from international competition, I think that could open a, a real can of worms again. Um could they get round it? Possibly. I mean, we could see more Piemonte Calcio clubs, you know, instead of Juventus. Um, we could see Harry Kant rather than Harry Kane a, a bit down the pro so yeah, yeah, It's going to become Pez. It, it could happen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I, I think more than likely they'll just license it and carry on the lives. I just, I don't, I don't think they'll care that much. Well, this, I, I wouldn't pretend for one second to understand how all of the licensing thing works. It's, it seems to me like it's a very dark art in itself with involvement of FIFA, UEFA, Fifth Pro. and I, I, I don't know, but I did. But the, the, the way things have gone, I, I think it's imaginable that there could be problems with it. Okay. We'll leave it there. So let's go on to questions from Discord. We've had a few. Uh, we also had a couple on Twitter as well. So we'll start with Alex Mancuso, who was talking to Hunter today. And he said he would love to hear the discussion of how this is that different than the current structure. Uh, the ESL says they want to stay in the domestic competitions, but the ESL being closed, uh, being a closed shop is bad. Isn't the UCL effectively the same thing? I think if he's asking the question of if this proposed Super League is going to be the same as the Champions League, uh, the answer is no, it's not, for the for the reason that we discussed earlier, that it's, it's, uh, it's a closed table. You can't get there. Um, we're not going to have occasions where we witnessed early this year. Clubs like Porto can, can beat Juventus. Um, there's going to be no Porto in this competition. And that's that's the real difference. It's And it's, it's, it's one of the, you know, going back to earlier, one of the real big problems with this is that it takes away aspiration from smaller clubs at the moment, they can aspire to the idea that maybe one day they can qualify for the Champions League and they can knock Juventus out, but they're not going to be able to with this Super League. So it's, it's, if, if that's the question that he's asking, and I hope it is, Alex, um, the, the answer is that it's uh, sadly it's going to be very, very different from the Champions League. Matt, a question for you here from Reese Foot Gaming. Um, he says he can't even explain explain how angry the ESL is making him and it's also a coincidence that Jose Mourinho was sat today a week before the cup final mm. there are some rumours going around that he took exception to the news of this and refused to take training and that might have got him the sack but uh, we don't know that for sure um, but um, basically he's saying it's an absolute shambles um, sick of hearing about it and Jose today he would like your thoughts on what can be done by FIFA and UEFA fans and government and whoever to stop this absolute bollocks um, well, they shouldn't have any say in it, really, the government. I mean, who the fuck are the government get involved with football and tell people where they can and can't go as they please? They shouldn't be involved with anything to do with it. And if he's angry about it, you can now go and have a wank and a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. I hope that answered your question, Reece. <laughs> Steve. Uh, German. He says he would like clarification on what the Super League really is. Would it replace the Champions League? Um, or would these teams create their their own domestic league? So, if, if you just want to touch about how you sort of see this going, based off the limited information that we have, 
Well, I think that what they're flying the flag for is the idea that it would pretty much replace the Champions League or certainly compete with it. I, I, I think really the implication is that it, it would replace it. Um, realistically, from my point of view, I just can't see this happening. I think there are too many clubs that are currently excluded from it. I think that it's far more likely that what we'll see is that the number will grow from 12 upwards to maybe 18, 20, purely speculation, um, and that what we'll actually end up with will be a year-round league competition. Um, probably not as simple as the Premier League in its current format because that's not what the owners want. We'll probably end up with some sort of playoff system to maximise revenue where the top four or six clubs go into a playoff and probably the final will be a best of seven series played in Shanghai and sponsored by William Hill. It's very presumptive. That, uh, yeah, we know, we know none of this. It's all, it's all speculation. Yeah. Um, here's a quick question for you, Steve, just uh, as a follow-on to that. Why do you think a club like Spurs, who haven't won the European Cup or Champions League, have been invited, but teams like, say, Aston Villa, Porto, Benfica, who have won it more than once, have yet to get an invite, as far as we're aware? I have absolutely no idea. It's it's like Banana Man being invited to join the Avengers. <laughs> Interesting. You got an opinion on that one, Matt? Because I, I suspect the answer is something to do with money. Uh, Daniel Levy, because he's... Yeah, everybody. People really respect him genuinely in life for running a club and that kind of thing. He's he's well respected, and uh, uh, I would guess he was a somewhere in the mix. I, I hope so. Anyway, I, I I really like him. Actually, I think he's a nice bloke. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Looks wish, after his mum. He looks like he's a nice nice guy. Looks after his mum, and I wish he was my uncle. Capitalist mm. pig. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, Steve. <laughs> Chris White asks, and we've, we've kind of touched on this already, what are your thoughts on local government in the UK licensing the city-named football teams? And would Liverpool still be involved if they had to become Merseyside Reds? Well, it, it, it can happen, can't it? I mean, I, I said at the beginning that, you know, with, when we're talking about these, the big clubs, what, what are we really talking about? That They have very little connection to the local community apart from sort of token efforts every now and then that they are just hollowed out versions of what they used to be and the only attachment that they have is really the name and the kit and the crest um so they are really the last bastions is it feasible that they could go as well yeah of course it is totally i mean we've we've already had this haven't we didn't uh who, who was the club who was it whole city they tried changing the name to the to the whole tigers Oh my god! I remember it has become more more popular. I'm pretty sure it was Hull. It was Hull. Um, the, Hull Tigers. Yeah, and the, the fans were up in arms against it. Um, so again, you know, precedents have been set. This sort of thing has been tried. It wouldn't be anything out of the ordinary. It wouldn't be anything new, and it would certainly appeal to the uh, to the American market, which is what these uh, I'll politely call them entrepreneurs are trying to capture. Okay. Um, Matt, do you think the ESL will change how football is played in general? Um, the gameplay has to change more action and goals, less drop back. I, I guess he's talking more um, FIFA Ultimate Team here than that, the actual real football aspect. Um, this, the question basically being, do you not think that the actual game being played will be more enjoyable to get everything else just the gameplay? Do you think we're going to get a better game because of more a condensed amount of quality? In a, in a small number of teams, I, I think it's I, talking I, about the real game there. Sorry, he's saying gameplay, so I don't think so. Yeah, but he says yeah. in the last sentence, "Do you not think that the actual game being played will be more enjoyable? Less drop back, one depth crap." Yeah, yeah. So he's talking about he's talking right. about FIFA there. That, that's my interpretation. Okay, fair enough. Sorry, that's okay. Um, I don't know. Um, is the answer to that question? Um. Everybody plays FIFA Ultimate Team, don't they? So when's when's all this? No one plays the normal game now anymore, do they? So yeah, I don't, I don't know. So I don't know what to say to that question. But thanks for we, writing we, in. We already have a situation where it's only the best players playing the best players. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's FIFA Ultimate I, I would Team. think that that's 
I would think that that's a question directed towards actual football. I think what he's saying there really is um, because we'd have less cases of where you get teams like Burnley matching up against Manchester City and they just park the bus. I mean, we see more exciting and attacking football in real life. I don't. I mean, I don't think this. I see where where you're getting at. Well, I mean, if if that is the question, um, then I mean, it, all you need is Milan Monday need a point or something, and they'll they'll part the bus just as good as anybody. So, I think it's a bit of a misnomer, really, to think oh, these two great teams are going to meet each other and it's going to be the greatest game ever. But, we, we, yeah. we see it. I think that that's kind of fleshed out in the Champions League yeah, already, though, right? We yeah. all, we see so many big fixtures that are, are absolute stalemates because no one's a, a afraid to take the initiative because the cost of losing is so high. Yeah, and, and the Premier League and the Premier League. Yeah, completely. Uh, uh, yeah, and the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I don't see how that's going to change because of the ESL. I think it's going to be exactly the same. Don't see any difference. So there's still going to be plenty of crap matches then. Yeah, I would have thought so. Uh, depending on context, yeah. Right, we've got a money question from Luke M. So, Matt, you can take this one. Do you ever see players, managers and agents, etc., taking wage cuts because they're the ones who are really making all the money? The clubs are currently losing a lot of money and need a way to balance the books and make themselves financially stable, which is seemingly where the ESL comes to their rescue. Well, they'll only take wage cuts if it's in their interest to do so. For example, if they get offered a contract and uh, uh, they can't get a better contract as- elsewhere, then th- then they'll take it, whether that's a 10%, 20% cut or 50% cut. But, um, you know, it'll be not necessarily the best players who do that. Um, there, there has been players who took, um, uh, like, a de- de- they did deferrals, some clubs did during... Um, the pandemic, but there's yeah, been a lot of big clubs did during the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. but the deferrals, so they will get the money eventually. Uh, usually, they're not very rarely written off. And also, as you can probably remember, Leeds back in two thousand and two or three or whatever it was when they, God, it was later than that actually. Once it was like two thousand five when they got relegated and the money went all disappeared. A lot of their players are on wage deferrals. It's, um, but yeah, they'll only take a wage cut when it's in their interest to do so, which is they can't get a better offer elsewhere, so they'll they'll take that one. So. I think that's a pretty obvious answer to that yeah. question. I mean, why would you take a wage cut, um, whoever the person is who wrote in? Because you couldn't get the other wages elsewhere. There you go. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, last question to you, Steve Machine Guts asks, would EA be first in line to get exclusive rights to the ESL? Maybe they're the only ones who could afford to do so. Uh yeah, I think he's answered his own question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about to say that. Sorry, Steve. He has answered his own question, I think. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think they would. And I think that's the exact reason why. Okay, fair enough. I think that answers those questions quite comprehensively. Thanks to everyone who posted those into the Discord. And just as a parting shot before we go, boys, I just want to ask you both one last thing very quickly. Do we think that the, the ESL will actually come to fruition and will Premier League teams leave the English football pyramid as a result, Matt? Well, I think it, I would have thought, so when I first saw about like an ESL 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, I never thought it would come to fruition. But this time around, I, I, I am kind of convinced it could happen, unless, of course, UEFA or whoever come in and, and make it more viable for them to not do so. Um maybe it won't happen that way or but um i don't see teams getting excluded from from leagues i, I think that is just part of a negotiation this is all a negotiation tactic now how do they get them to step away from doing the esl and keep things as as they remain so all what's being said now is just a it's just all hard tactics it's all a shakedown to try and get them to step away from doing the esl so i i'm quite convinced they're going to do the esl because this is how severe the statements are from like UEFA and the FA and the Premier League and that kind of thing. Okay, Steve, do you think uh, ESL come to fruition? And if it does, would you welcome them as a sponsor of the Foot Academy? Hmm. I think it's inevitable, and I think that it has been for a long time. Whether or not it will come to pass in the guise that's currently being proposed or whether it will just be something that's that's implemented by UEFA. That's that's another possibility. UEFA could basically just take this model, rebrand it, and uh, and pass it off as their own. That could also happen. Could. It's, it's going to happen in, in one way or another. Um, it's, it's a matter of when, not if. 
I think that the domestic leagues will... I can't see that they're going to have much choice other than to kick these teams out because the competitive advantage that they would have would just be phenomenal. So I, I think I think that we're on the cusp of something here that is going to change the football landscape um, in a way that that's never happened before. I think this is way bigger than than Sky and the Premier League. I, I think it's um, potentially cataclysmic, and I think it's, it's it's a really sad day for football fans. There you go, folks. I think we've got two very broad opinions there, and Steve clearly thinks we're going to be playing bronze players in the Premier League and Ultimate Team going forward. But uh, we'll see how that goes. All I was going to say is that um, I'm I'm at least a little bit excited. Maybe it could be a great thing. All I'm saying is it maybe it could be a good thing. That's, that's all I'd like to put okay. out there, and that doesn't mean it will be. Alright, we'll leave it at that. So thank you all very much for listening. We'll be back again in just a few days' time for team of the season. So may all your packs be monsters on that day and we look forward to, to catching you then. So until then, bye-bye. Jumpers for goalposts. <laughs> bye. Podcast Network.